Hi, hi. You look so handsome today. Oh, thank you. I just showered. Well, I feel like you're also, like, we're dressed for two different occasions right now. Well, I got, I just got dressed because it was, it's a rainy day and I am, I am dressed professionally and you are <laughs> <laughs> wearing like a, I haven't seen that shirt. Is it? it is usually my preferred tank for bar because I feel like it makes me look like I have muscular shoulders. You have very beautiful shoulders. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, that's very kind. I wish I had your neck muscles. <laughs> I think I have a hump. I think I'm developing a hump. Does, I'll turn to the side. Does okay. it look like I have a hump? Yes. No, sorry, I didn't look. No, I'm sorry, oh. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Turn, turn, more to the side. More to the side. Hey, this is Amrita and Andrew. We're writers on a podcast journey to find our way through freelance life. If you're thinking about taking the leap off the beaten path in any part of your life, our inexpert advice is don't think twice. Here we are. It's March. We're still in New Orleans. We're still in New Orleans. We just can't put it. <sighs> Can't quit the Crescent City. Mm-hmm. Um, Ooh, some lightning. Some lightning, too. Let's talk about our volunteering with Oh yeah. In the vaccine mm-hmm. sites. I think that's a good spot to start. Absolutely. It's like actually something to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, the, the, as we are recording, the 30% of the city um, has received their first dose, at which least, is yeah. really exciting. Mm-hmm. So... You and I have been uh, volunteering uh, at the vaccine distribution sites, and, and mm-hmm. uh, you can tell me a little bit about what it's like at the Superdome, the main vaccine distribution site. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not actually the Superdome, but it's the convention the center. The convention center, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Is that on the water? Is that the place it's the right water? on the water. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've been I've been at sort of the the main um, spot for the city's distribution efforts. Like uh, the the convention center has actually been really great to to uh, see how it's all been set up and um, and you know I felt um, really like a sense of like awe about the scale of the operation mm-hmm. and it just getting a sense of like how much human effort a collective human effort is going into this um this solution you know and like of course you know that sort of intellectually like but but seeing it in person like everybody has to do their exact thing to get it all to work so it's really amazing to see something actually be that functional at at a scale like that and um and uh so it's 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 been kind of like a like moving experience just to see it but while you were at the convention center, I was at uh, the satellite sites, which which are are, are pop up essentially because mm-hmm. they take place in community centers, in communities that are harder that either have um, people who are fearful or anxious about getting the vaccine, or have a high population of people who don't have a lot of transport options right. to a central location, and so. Last week, I was in the Lower Ninth Ward, which is like famously the place that got flooded completely during Hurricane Katrina and um, suffered the, the biggest casualties, both in like bodies and homes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and But these sites are so, they're really well run and they're very committed to having people, to, to, to vaccinating people in the neighborhood. And I say that because we had uh, something like less than 20 shots um, because they had to open a new batch, and mm-hmm. so that meant they were going to have a few more shots. And so they split us up and send us out into the street, door to door, knocking on doors, mm-hmm. 
asking, you know, trying to find anyone who hadn't been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was also calling people. And so it was really I just, nice. I think that's so gratifying. You know, I was, I was um, telling that story yesterday and just thinking like how nice that is that like you were able like even just that sort of singular like like person where you know you called somebody and she said okay like oh you're in my neighborhood okay do you think i can get there an hour and a half i can i only have like my only option is the bus yeah Yeah, and you're like and you're like i don't know but let's figure it out (laughs) and then she got there and you you got her there and she got a shot so like that is a person that wouldn't have gotten it like if you hadn't been on the phone with her and like walked her through getting getting there and right um that's awesome like i don't know so it's sounds like the satellite things have been had their own sort of like moving qualities too yeah and so and so all the shots were taken there wasn't one that Mm -hmm. was that was not used and all the shots went to people in the neighborhood so like kudos to to them i i the yeah i think new ones are doing well i really am annoyed that we're still at a level where not everyone can get a vaccine yeah because it's clear that 25 percent of the population there's so many people there that don't qualify under yes. any way yes. and they have, and we've seen them come in and out and, and they have gotten their shot and it's just like you know like i don't blame people for getting shots i really only blame people who are not going to get vaccinated right. because those right. are the true assholes right. so <laughs> i'm not even blaming them I'm just sort of like it just always feels like it's it's actually we live in a country and a, and a place and maybe the world where like it actually doesn't pay to follow the rules yeah i don't begrudge anybody getting it we all deserve to get it and we all should yep. get it and we should all get it quickly so like let's just get it done so and there are a lot of people and a lot of our friends and stuff have said to me well you know you could just say blah 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 and mm-hmm. i was like yes i know i could fucking just say something but but why do i need to live in a world and do and just and lie and know that they're not going to push back yeah like that's not good enough reason for me to lie yeah just because i won't get because there's no way to get in trouble mm-hmm. like that it bothers me like it speaks to uh, unfortunately it speaks to people's character it yeah. does in a way or at least it speaks to the world that they think they live in or mm-hmm. have to live in mm-hmm. and that bums me out yeah and i think like trust in the system and like trust in that that you know, systems operate as they're supposed to is like a hallmark of like a, like, like, you know, civilized society, basically civil society. And, um, and it troubles me that I feel like more and more, like we're getting to a place that we can't trust that the systems are actually that we've set up in this country are actually going to work for us. Again, like it's not, I don't blame the people who are, are getting vaccines. And I, it sound, I sound very judgmental in what I'm saying, mm-hmm. but I just want to make one more point about that. Yeah. Please. <laughs> and why it bothers me. Mm-hmm. When you recognize the rules and recognize there are ways to work around it mm-hmm. without consequence you are that is that is access and privilege and if you're a person that says that you are that you want america to create a new order by which people don't need to have special access yeah. and privilege to things yeah. then you have to follow the rules even if there are no consequences otherwise you are no better than those people that you point your finger at and say that they are oppressing people Mm -hmm. because you are too that's my opinion (laughs) (laughs) you are so 
You are very justice-minded, and you are very fair-minded, and you are a lover of rules and systems. Except I am also human and inconsistent, and there are plenty of rules and systems that I don't follow. No, I know. So, I know. I know. I hear you. And that's like, it's like the flip side of of living your principles even when there are consequences is also living your principles when there aren't. Yes. So... to uh, ask you a little bit uh, you, you don't have to have thoughts about this but it, of our you know we've just started doing some like DIY filmmaking yes. um, to get some of our writing onto onto film and um, you know just totally new project so for me it's felt really humbling because it is something I don't know that much about like the visual language and sort of um, the technicalities and everything. Mm -hmm. So um, that's been one takeaway is just kind of like the humbling aspect of trying something new and figuring out something new. But I'm wondering if you have any feelings about like, like how it felt to have our first like shoot day or like, um, you know, putting ourselves on film or just, you know, it's just sort of like embarking on like sort of the self-production. Yeah. Well, over the past years, few years, I feel like we've had enough, and I've had enough examples of times where um, we start a project, and I'm sure most people feel this, but you start a project, you have a lot of enthusiasm, you're halfway through, and you're convinced that everything <laughs> that you've ever thought, written, yes. produced, said is mm, trash. trash. And like, there's, there's no reason to continue. <laughs> yes. And that you should burn it all. Yeah. I'm just laughing because it's just like, <laughs> you know? it's just like, this is the constant narrative yeah. for me when I start something. So we are, we are coming up to that point mm -hmm. where we have, we have written, we have filmed, um, most of, of the, this first little short, the, the rest is in process. We're starting to think about editing and, uh, I feel like it's all for naught. It's just like all <laughs> trash Same. and there's nothing to do Same. with it. Um, but I also recognize that's how I feel about everything. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, I know this is just part of the process. And also, both of us hate to feel like we're not good at something immediately. Yes. Um, and this is all new. So it's like as many times as we can look at each other and say, like, this is a learning process. It's yes. like when something doesn't go right, it's like, mm -hmm. motherfucker, I'm a piece of shit. Why didn't we get that right? It's like, wait, we've never done this before. Yeah, right. you should have gotten it right the first time. That's what's going through my head. Because it's like everything. Like, we're trying to, we're tr like, act a little bit. We're yeah. trying to, like, figure out how to set things up. We're trying to figure out how to direct people remotely. Yeah. We're trying to, like, you know, figure out all the different shots. We're trying to figure out the, the camera settings. The technical aspects. Just everything, you know, that that normally you'd have, like, a like a huge crack shot team working on. So, it yeah, it's, yeah, to say that it's everything is a learning process is just the very tip of the iceberg. But, um, but I also, but I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I don't feel defeated. No, no, not at all. But I. But I, that's I do. because I think we defined what we're trying to do small enough. Yeah. And I think that was the key. Uh, I think hugely helpful to define the parameters of what we're trying to achieve. But I think you make a really good point that we really are coming up on that point. That point where it's like, 
oh, this is this trash. is trash. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's like the most important part of most of our projects. Mm-hmm. That point at most of our projects is like figuring out how to get past that. So it either means pushing through it to just get yep. it done, or it means like, oh, there's something slightly wrong about this approach. Yes. And here's like the other way to do it that's going to make it so much yeah. better. And like, how did we not see that we should have been doing this it, this way the entire way? So it's always so like, I think that is coming to be something that um, I'd like to like embrace more as like the exciting part of the project is the point is the all is lost trash. Like this is trash yeah. part of the, of the process. I, I, I hear you and I agree because I think that's the next. So there's the concept that you come up with that is exciting. So you don't, whatever concept is, whether you're a writer or anything else, um, even if you're like designing your back garden, you're like, this is what I want. Yeah. I want the porch to be here, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. You know, and that's exciting. And then you start doing it and then you run into problems or it doesn't or whatever. You reach that point where it's like, oh, I'm halfway through and like I, should, I shouldn't have even started this. Yeah. And instead of thinking... I should quit. I think that's the next part that you need to re-energize yourself by saying, "Okay, now I have these pieces that I, I didn't have evidence, before. Right? Yeah. What is the what What is the most exciting thing I can do with these? Let's step back as if as if I'm coming to the project new again. Right. But I have a few pieces to play with, so. Now I'm going to step back and look at the pace and be like, oh, these are actually cool if we just put them in this different spot. Mm-hmm. Or if we take out that thing that we thought was like we needed, actually, we don't need that thing at all. Yeah. yeah. And like now this creates like a t- different thing than we had thought to begin with, but equally is exciting. Right. Right. And so you might, you might end up with something that has some things in common with your original concept. And like at its core, it's kind of the same. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. It's just at the core. Like you're yeah. really trying to get this this one thing and it will look different mm-hmm. or feel different than you thought it would but we've gotten very comfortable when it comes to writing in terms of writing things and just like trashing oh big yeah pieces. That, was a, that was a huge thing uh, yeah I, I think i like to me it almost feels foreign now how difficult that was at the beginning to just throw something out like that was really hard for me like, yeah. really hard for me and now it's just like I could write working. a whole, yeah, right. I could write like a whole first draft of a whole thing, and then just be like, "Well, that sixty pages was useful for something, but it's not." Yeah, and if there's keep... anything that was really that great, it'll come back in my mind again right. when I'm in a similar right. situation. Right, but it's just like that feels like that was like mind blowing to yeah. me at the time, and like now I'm like, "Oh yeah, totally." Some you're just gonna write stuff, and yeah. you're not gonna use it. That's fine. <laughs> so, so, so right now we're we're editing. Mm-hmm some like raw footage that we have which is something we've never done mm-hmm. so i'm tempted to like look up how to how to approach how editing to edit. and then at the other uh, on the other hand it's like i've seen movies mm-hmm. i've seen short films i don't maybe we just like need to muddle through yes instead yeah and trial and error a and little trial bit. and error a little well bit. and i think you know we got some really good advice i thought uh from um, one of our an new friends, <laughs> who is an actual filmmaker, and she's an ed- she's an editor, cinematographer. Uh, well, she's a Director. cinematographer primarily, but yeah. Um, and we asked her, like, what do you think about when you edit? And she, and she was saying, she was saying, it's like this is it's a feeling, and it's like, what kind of feeling do you want this to have, and what kind of feeling like, and also exactly what you were saying, you might have a concept, but now you have film, you have visuals that you've shot. 
So you can't try to like force what you've got into the concept that you wanted. You have to go off what you have. Yeah. So maybe you went into it thinking that this is going to be like a rapid fire, a bunch of, you know, fast cuts or whatever. But then what you're looking at, the footage that you have, the feeling that it gives you is that you need more space or that you need more, you know, um, more distance between those cuts. Like you have to follow that feeling instead of uh, what you want to be there. Yeah. Like look at what you actually have, um, which is so much more of like an, an emotional kind of advice yeah. than I was expecting her to have about like what, how do you approach editing? Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, I love that. So it's like, this is just like, it's very like much more like following the feeling than. Mm-hmm. There's than, not like uh, a formula. There's, there's not, not formula. something, you know, there's not something truly basic and essential that we need to understand before we yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually look at all your footage and think about what you're trying to say combined with what you actually have mm-hmm. that you can say mm-hmm. and show. And then, so. Mm-hmm. so, yeah, I'm feeling like everything is lost and that's fine. <laughs> I love that. That's a great moral of the, of the, well, and I also feel like story. we're making this together for ourselves. For, mm-hmm. You know, we don't have, we don't have people who have funded it. We don't have any other people who have any other ideas or needs Mm -hmm. to get from it yeah so i'm excited i'm intimidated but i'm excited me too me too um all those things (laughs) and like and that's why i kind of feel like i'm i'm also just wanting to get more projects started even before we finish this one um because we had initially like a couple you know like three or four films in mind short shorts in mind and i'm just like well i don't feel like we need to get this one in the can before we just keep rolling you know Mm -hmm, mm because Uh, I think each one is gonna is gonna be um, learning uh, a learning process for like different reasons. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I want to learn all these things. Like, let's get this. Pro- let's get let's get school in session. Like, I'm I'm ready to yeah yeah to to get. Uh, I to will get say that humbled. acting is not something <laughs> that I <laughs> I uh, enjoy mm-hmm. yet mm-hmm. at least, mm-hmm. uh, and it's uh, hard. It's hard, yeah. It's really hard. Like saluting all our actor friends because that shit is hard. It's hard. <laughs> it's it's really hard. hard. It's really hard. Strange. And then you watch yourself and you're like, "Wow, oh God. terrible." Oh god. Yeah. And like the bar that I'm setting for myself is not like Academy Award. No. Winner. It's not even like I'm. A, I'm like, I'm fine to be a bad actor. But like I'm not even consistently bad yeah. in the same mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like yeah, shocking ourselves, inconsistently uh, watching, bad. Our, <laughs> watching ourselves, like trying to interact with each other, is like it's it's like we we don't interact with each other all the well, time. Well, I mean, day. okay. So to be fair, we did a stupid thing, which was try to act without actually memorizing <laughs> the <did> script. <laughs> so okay, so step one for acting is. So this is what we've learned so far, people. <laughs> Learn your lines. lines. (laughs) You know, not all the lessons are big and profound. Some of them are really fucking obvious. At one point, you're like, are you listening? Can you, like, you you said it very nicely, but you're like, so, like, I say something, and it's like you're listening and responding. (laughs) I'm like, I know, but I don't know what my next line is. That's the goal, is that... You hear me, and then you respond. So we're gonna we're gonna improve as actors. I don't think we're gonna get to um, like great heights, maybe, but we'll see. I'm I'm hopeful. I don't know. We yeah. have we have until mid May here. That's right. 
We That's might. Right. I'm going to emerge a roller disco queen. Yeah. And uh, we're going to both emerge as like credible actors. Yeah. And so for your enjoyment, at the end of this podcast, we will insert some monologues. Oh, maybe we will, actually. Maybe we will. We have some. I, I decided that I was going to make a Lent resolution, uh, at which you were like, fuck that. I don't do, I don't, I don't fuck with Lent. Yeah. Um, which is great. But I decided that I was going to give up self-pity for Lent. That was my, that was my um, goal. So, yes. forty days, I'm going to not throw a pity party for myself and not feel bad uh, for myself. And um, and it, it, the reason that this fits with Lent is because it's something that I really enjoy. <laughs> feeling like feeling the, sorry the for world myself. is against you. Yeah, yeah, and it's something that I indulge in, and I do think it gives me like a. Like, in, not me personally, but I think it gives one some sort of, like, uh, dopamine or something. Like, or mm, serotonin, I'm sure like, there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. mentally, like, it feels good to, like, absolve yourself of, of responsibility. responsibility by being like, well, I'm the victim here. Yeah. So There's nothing I could have done. That... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what have you, what have you, Um. first of all, how do you feel like you've done? I feel like I've done pretty well, actually. Okay. I, I haven't had many descents into like okay. wallowing in self. And what have you noticed about when you want to go there? That's the interesting thing is that like it's one thing to say like oh I'm gonna try to not feel this way, and then I think there's something else about like making a resolution that like I'm giving this up for a discrete amount of time, mm -hmm. where I feel like when I feel myself going to that place. It's just, I've just, it's like a, a door slamming. Like, I've just, I just slammed the door shut and I'm like, nope. Remember, we're not doing that. It's been really, it's been really great. And there's just, I don't know, there's just something about that sort of like limited time that's been, um, that's been helpful. And, and I also, when I made this resolution, I was like, it doesn't mean that you can't like feel sad. Right. Those and are it doesn't very mean things. that you can't feel jealous. Uh huh. Um, and you know, those are all different or it doesn't mean you can't feel mad. Those are all different emotions, but to just pull out the part of it, that's like, well, but the reason that they have that is because they're blessed and I'm, mm -hmm. and I'm just the victim, you know, sometimes all you need is just to tell yourself like, you know, bitch, we don't have time for this today. We We're not doing this. No. We're not yeah. doing this. So, well, I love that for you. Yeah. And while I don't, and, uh, and I will not, mm -hmm. um, observe Lent. Because it is not something that... Yeah, it's not something that interests you. And also, like, I think there's a little bit of Christian baggage, if you could say that. Um, yeah, I, it's not even... It's, not, it's just not a thing. Yeah. But um, something that I've uh, been thinking about lately and really understanding that I'm safe. It mm -hmm. sounds so basic, and it is. And that's the point. Um, that there's so many instances where I might have like a, a fight or flight instinct or, um, yeah, I might have just have a fight or flight instinct for, for something that is just inconsequential. Yeah. So, so, um, give, try to set, set the scene for me a little bit. Like you're talking about if you are in a confrontation with somebody or. Uh, less, not less. So, so a confrontation is going to bring a fight or flight in a, in mm -hmm. a natural way and that's mm -hmm. to be expected. And, and that, that doesn't. 
I handle myself in a confrontation. It's actually things that that aren't, you do it pretty coolly, actually. Yeah, usually. It, it, mm-hmm. I'll just it's, start it's, to it's, feel. Like, it's just sort of like a it's like an anxiety response a little bit. It's an anxiety, an anxiety response. response. It's an anxiety response. It's like a fear for your state. It's like sort of a primal level, like fe- feeling of unsafety. It's a it's a physical feeling of unsafety, like it it's sort of a offshoot or a vestige of like a codependent mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. living situation, mm-hmm. you know, family situation. And when you're in like the codependent relationships, you're always like. Uh, hyper aware of what everyone feels right. and what how and uh, and trying to predict how everyone would react and trying to control how everyone might react so that you are safe yeah so then when you leave that situation you still have those responses so then you know the things that just have no that just aren't dangerous at all set off that set, set that, that off because mm-hmm. in your past that very situation could have created some some somebody has negative feelings and then mm-hmm. you're made to feel bad that you made the wrong choice about mm-hmm. like where to stop and get coffee mm-hmm. right, right you know <laughs> <laughs> all these yeah, things yeah, but yeah. so so, so it starts there and then it spreads in terms of feeling whenever you're in any sort of situation that causes anxiety mm. like you feel unsafe and so that can mean Often that means that people make themselves as small as possible. Because mm. if you make yourself as small as possible, you're trying to mitigate, you're trying to just eliminate any circumstance where all eyes are on you yep. or your yep. decisions have any sort of impact. Yep. So I've just been thinking about that a lot. Like noticing when I have like a physical feeling mm-hmm. and, no, and, and just telling myself like, just reminding myself that I'm safe in that moment. Both physically safe and emotionally safe i'm like safe in all ways yeah and also do you just say do you just kind of like to say myself that to, yeah those I'm, in, myself, I'm, like, oh, I'm safe right okay. now mm-hmm. and then realizing that it's like i'm in a safe place and it's safe to be like it's safe to to, to be like it's safe to be smart mm-hmm. or it's safe to be like talented oh, at something. Oh, I see. Sa- it's safe to be or exceptional in some way. It's safe to be exceptional at something. It's safe to be really bad I, at something. You know, it's That's such an interesting part of that. Like, I never really I never really considered that. That, like, sometimes, you know, the idea of, like, a fear of, um, like, a fear of success or feel like fear of, like, do, doing something, you know, getting the thing that you want yeah. m- may come from a feeling of, of like fear of exceptionalism because yes. like you're making yourself stand out and that's a, that's a potentially dangerous unsafe... feels just as dangerous yeah yeah i hadn't i hadn't thought of that yeah um so that's a it's a good thing it's a good thing to remind yourself yeah of today, so know? i've been thinking about it a lot even when i'm like gonna do something that's good that's positive that mm-hmm. might still elicit that response mm-hmm. be like oh no it's i'm safe to well, it's funny how like the body the too blank. can be your first indicator of like you know these things, and um, uh, th- this is not exactly the same uh, a thing. But you know, I've been uh, I, as I've told you a little bit, I've been reading this book that like I can't like I can't stop thinking about. It's like a self help book of, um, written by a woman who is a professional dominatrix um, and also a Taoist nun. Um, like Buddhism expert. Mm-hmm. The, the book is about um, dominance and submission uh, and sort of translating those concepts out of like the 
uh, a dominatrix world into kind of real life settings and um and so like basically the concept is uh, dominance as she defines it is the direction of energy outwards Mm. and submission is the concept of direction of energy inwards which is like basically where the buddhism aspect comes in a lot of religion a lot of like prayer meditation contemplation all that sort of thing um, is part of that idea of directing energy inwards and then the dominance aspect is directing um having all your attention on somebody else so um the issues with communication and things like that tend to arise in her view when there is an incongruence between your your desire and your action Mm. so like if you are um acting in a way that is like you know dominant quote unquote but then you're actually thinking about yourself then that's incongruent conversely if you are trying to like assume the sort of submissive role quote unquote but you are uh focusing on what the other person wants you're doing it wrong you're complete like your job is to completely be completely focused on the thing that you want and then being ready uh to what we were saying before being ready to get it mm. and what it might feel like to actually get the thing that you want um so it it, it sort of has it's, it has a lot of imp- like far-ranging implications on on like a lot of different things and um, what's the name of the book it's called Unbound. It's called like Unbound, A Woman's Guide to Power or something like that. Like it's really, it really is like a self-help book. Yeah. But I, I just am finding it totally mind-blowing, all these like sort of revelations. Like I, I it, it just has really changed the way that I think about communicating just with people, like with you even, like with anybody. Um, sort of because like every I mean every conversation is like kind of a power exchange and it's not about like trying to game game every conversation mm. into like manipulating it to get what you want or to always be dominant or whatever I think her point is that it's really important to, uh, to enter that sort of more submissive mindset internal mindset in order to like know what you want like um, but I think that idea of congruence is something that that comes up a lot for me because sometimes um, like even when I like when we're trying to figure out like small decisions, where are we gonna stop for coffee? Like as you were saying, it's um like how do you approach somebody? How do you ask for something? Um, and like uh like here's an example of something that I would love your help with mm-hmm. is uh, something that I've noticed that I do to you is that I'll sometimes I'll be like, can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Can I ask you something? Can I tell you something? Which she points out as an example in her book of something that is like, she feels like that's a really annoying thing to do to somebody because what you're doing is you're not really asking for anything in that question. You're like asking them to, you're like apologizing for existing. Right. And so then that you're making it that person's job to, uh, to like validate your existence before they even can so so then once you get to the question then you ask, like can I ask you a question blah 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 and then you ask them the question then you you're, you're removing the satisfaction of that person being able to give you the thing that you want mm. like it's not satisfying to give to, to like say yes to that thing anymore yeah um, but you're also making them feel bad if they say no to it 
Mm. So there's a no-win situation for the person that you're asking the the asking the thing of or asking yeah. the favor of. Yeah. Um, so I've been making a very concerted effort over the past couple of weeks to stop asking pre-asking before I ask for something. I'll just ask you. Yeah. And I feel like it, it's so much sa- more satisfying to receive an answer, but I hope also more satisfying to like give an answer to that question. Um, and I didn't realize how much I did that, where I'll be like, can I ask you yeah. something? <laughs> well, I, I hate to break it to you, but you did it to me an hour ago. Oh, did I really? Yeah. Oh, well, anyway, <laughs> it's, it, it's, you know, it's not a switch on and off, but it's a, right, work, it's right. a work in progress. Nice. Well, it's just like the other day when you apologized to me for like existing by way of saying, <laughs> I'm so sorry that I'm working out in the living room, mm-hmm. um, which I guess now that it, now that it's framed in the way she did, like it did annoy me in the sense that like this is your like why do I have to like tell you that it's okay this is your living room yeah, too yeah. like why is this more my living room than your living room mm-hmm. and like it's one thing to say I'm working on the living room if it's a problem let me but know let me know well, and then you can, have, we can yeah. which it's not but yeah. if it but if it were let's say then I would feel like that's where we're starting right. from we're starting from the conversation of like problem Instead solving of this to thing feel better about it or like whatever you know like there was so much like apology in just me saying what could have been said in a very like yeah. much more direct like way so um so if you can you know not that it's your job to like help me solve some some of my problems but um that is something that i'm well as like <laughs> friends and in like a relationship <laughs> yeah. that's like how that's uh, if you no, notice I, me I, being uh, like apologizing for existing before i ask you a question <laughs> just like you should just have a little buzzer and just be like eh. <laughs> <laughs> just did that don't do that well another thing that you know not to talk too long about this book and yeah. these <laughs> concepts but something that uh that i know about myself mm-hmm. and that i'm that is that is sort of part of this what i was saying about safety but that um, I, there are often times where the words that I say and the language of my body mm. don't don't yeah. match. Oh yes, I was meant, I was saying this to you, yeah. Um, and so it's confusing, mm-hmm. understandably so for people because I'm saying one thing, it's the incongruence, but they're thing. really getting a yeah. different message from my body. Yeah. And so then it, it's sort of crazy making in the sense that like. You're well, like, he did I'm what getting he said very, he was going right, to do, but getting I'm getting this body other language, body right? language. Yeah. But how do I say? But he did do what he said he was going <laughs> to do. But it's. But I still feel like there's something. Yeah. And he says there's nothing. Like, so I. That's that's something that's that's also sort of in the book about about sort of yeah, matching aligning your, your your what what you're what you're actually saying with what um with how your body is is uh like what your body is saying to somebody sometimes equally important or more important yeah like with what that what somebody might walk away from the conversation with is more almost like what your what your body language communicated with one another than anything um which is something i don't like i don't i need to think about too because i often have like very closed closed body language and i'm you know not like relaxed and open and like yeah um more assertive or dominant like body language so um so yeah i was thinking about that and then actually one last thing (laughs) and because it because it relates a lot to something we've we've talked about for months now which is about anger Mm -hmm. and like how we've been both struggling with like how to express anger how to how to do it uh is there a way to do it productively um one thing that she says about anger is that um, anger is a good way to ascertain desire. Mm. 
like if you're angry about something it is it's really about what what do you what do you want what do you desire and by that i guess i could uh, you you could say like if you're angry about um if you're angry about the state of the world like vaccine access or whatever mm. your desire is for justice mm. so uh everything that you're angry about is really rooted in something that you wish would happen or that you want to have happen instead yeah so if you can um you know be angry enough that you can figure out what is what's the thing that you would that you wish to have happen then then you can start thinking about what can i actually do to get there I joined this um, Facebook group called Buy Nothing. I don't know if you've heard of it, Buy Nothing, but it's like nationwide and, you know, it's supposed to be hyper local and people give stuff away and like this and that. And I have not um, gotten anything from Buy Nothing here in New Orleans, nor have I offered anything yet. Um, But I'm finding my membership to be hugely gratifying in this Facebook group. It's incredibly entertaining. Um... Because they're so weird and so funny. And I showed you a couple of them. Like, there was, like, one where it was, like, um, somebody posted, like, a picture. It was a picture, too. Like, I don't know why you would need a picture, a visual, of a stack of styrofoam, like, a stack of broken styrofoam. And it was, yeah. like, I don't know if I've been in this group for too long, but, like, does, would anybody want this? And seven people commented saying that they wanted it it was just like a stack of styrofoam and this blocks. is just like a neighborhood specific it's just this neighborhood so so within New seven Orleans, people there were like three or trash four trash styrofoam. literal trash um so that was one that i thought was really really weird um expired food is, is like sort of a common one yeah. another of my favorites was a <laughs> a person who had a bike lock I was giving away a bike lock did i tell you about this no. one so they were like, I um, have this bike lock. It works totally fine. Um, I can't remember the combination for it. So I ended up having to buy a new one. Does anyone want this? Like, let's just think that through <laughs> for a second. Okay. So it's locked. The, the lock is locked. The You're telling me someone re- took it. Yes. Someone was like, oh, I want it. And I'm like, Brittany, have you thought this through? Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to pick the lock? Maybe she's a puzzler. Like, you know, this is actually like if you're in it. What? She's like, I'm this bored. is a great idea. Mm-hmm. If you're like an advanced puzzler, mm-hmm. you've done all the Sudoku's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? And then like the next level is getting someone, mm-hmm. and it has to be a person you get it from, just like mm-hmm. in the scenario. And then all you know is their name and their address. Oh. Yeah. And you get like it's a 15, psychological puzzle. 15 chances or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. That's the game. Mm-hmm. And then if you crack it, then you set the lock and then someone else gets in. All they get is your name and your address. So I mean, it's like a real, It's I think, I mean, it could, with the power of the internet, I think it could probably <laughs> most often be cracked. Yeah. You just, you just internet stalk the person enough to figure out. You just the, run a little background mm-hmm. check or whatever mm-hmm. and then... <laughs> Bada bing, bada boom. So I don't know. I don't know if that's what this person had in mind. That she was like, <laughs> I'm just going to spend my day trying every single so. combination. Also, my, okay. So this is my absolute favorite. Was somebody posted that they were looking for a sourdough starter. Now that isn't like so weird considering yeah. um, a lot of people have taken up baking during the pandemic. But this person posted, um, I am in urgent need of a sourdough starter. I have discovered that my cat loves bread 
Oh, come on. I swear, hand to God, that this person was looking for a sourdough starter to bake bread for their cat. I hope no one responded. Like, people responded. And one of the, the, like, it was like a little bit of a conversation. It was like, LOL, my cat loves bread too. And, And like, not like, you're crazy. Why don't you just go to the supermarket? Or like, don't feed your cat bread. Or like, I mean, that's what you do. You don't feed your <laughs> cat bread. So that's my favorite. But so I haven't actually gotten any. The reason I joined it is because I was hoping that we could get a keyboard. Yeah. Um, it is like a musical town, but uh, but I think that also means that people value their instruments too much to be. No one's just giving things <sighs> no away. Not, I've even checked Craigslist, and there aren't keyboards for sale. Oh, you did you did check Craigslist? Yeah, there, you there, can buy like organs. Yes, and buy I mean instruments, not hearts and kidneys. <laughs> you probably buy those too. Have bookmarked a couple of um, electric organs because I mean, like pretty cheap. It's like it mostly works, a hundred dollars, and I'm like, mm, do we need this? Do we need we're, a hammer? We're in a rental. I know. Like, I, know <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> But we have the room for it. We do have the room. Well, we can just leave. <laughs> but hey, landlord. We we just, <laughs> by the way, we Jim left in Morgan. Morgan. <laughs> Speaking of place, being in New Orleans, we are down here in the toe of Louisiana in the, the bayou, the uh-huh. in the swamp. Uh-huh. Um, and we... Took some time this weekend when we had a friend in town to go on a swamp tour. Mm-hmm. We did. Which is the first swamp tour I've ever... Well, that's not quite true because I did, as a child, come here. Uh, my mother in the mid-90s, I was probably, I don't know, 10 years old or so. We were in it. We were in Georgia and she read in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the local paper, a story about um, legislation that was... And I might get this wrong a little bit, but anyway, it was... It was altering the nets um, that fishermen were using. And in the article, they in, they interviewed a local fisherman. For whatever reason, it was fascinating to my mom. And I believe she wrote a letter to the Atlanta I'm Journal I'm sure she did. She probably hand-wrote a letter, and mailed it to the mailed paper. mailed it into Atlanta and asked for the contact information for the fisherman. And Atlanta Journal-Constitution replied, and she wrote a letter to this fisherman. Mm-hmm about how she was moved by the article <laughs> and she was interested. And he got back to her and said, well, you and your family should come come and see us. So we came down to Louisiana and we spent a couple of days with him and his family out on the so bayou. you did see the bayou then. I mean, you were a kid. Um, I remember a lot of it. And mm-hmm. we had borrowed a camcorder mm-hmm. from somebody. <laughs> so there, so somewhere... Somewhere there's like a It's probably been lost at this point, but yeah. we had a VHS um, of the trip. Uh, but now um, we were back and we went on a, on a good old-fashioned swamp mm-hmm, tour. Mm-hmm, which was lovely. Which was a nice pontoon ride through the swamp. We were able to see some alligators. We did see some alligators. But you got a little bit more close and personal on a, on a kayak trip. Yeah, yesterday I went on a kayak trip also through the bayou. Mm-hmm. Um, I am using swamp and bayou interchangeably, which is okay, I've been told. Oh, okay. Yeah, I went on on a couple hour um, kayak excursion, which was just really beautiful. I mean, the bayou is such an interesting 
place. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a cypress forest that we were going through. Anyway, um, you know, n- nothing much to say oh here. My God. Swamp tours and kayak Well, tours. I'm going to tell you one thing, which is that my mother was terrified yesterday that you, when I told her that you were on a kayak trip yes. in the bayou, she, she, she thought that an alligator was going to come snatch you out of your boat. Um, and like want a snack and then so then she just checked in I told her I would she she asked me to text her when you got home last night which I didn't do (laughs) and so then she followed up today to be like did he get back and I joked that like you hadn't yeah. come back or whatever and then and then then I admitted it was a joke and then this is what she said my mom is shading you hard glad no alligator got him probably looked too insubstantial to the alligators She takes felt, one to know one. She felt like you wouldn't She's be a three tasty feet tall. Treat. <laughs> <laughs> what is she talking about? She just thinks you're a skinny mini. That's we did it. see some alligators mm-hmm. uh, sunning themselves. But at one point, we went into a, a dead-end little lagoon, for lack of a word. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the guide was very calm. Um, and we saw an alligator. And then we saw another alligator. And then we saw another alligator. And he was like, all right, well... <laughs> I think it's time to turn around. We seem to have stumbled on a family reunion. Yeah, he's like, there are a lot back here, so let's uh, turn around. So, mm-hmm. so we did, but um, but it was a nice, a nice outing. Mm-hmm. I love New Orleans, but like the the. It's like, you know, there has to be a catch. Yes. And the catch for me is that the roaches here are plentiful. Um, and, yeah, they're just abundant and, and in the house a lot. And we're in a, like, kind of old drafty house. So yeah. lots of holes yeah, in yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's basically, it's porous to the outdoors. There's, yes. there's huge holes everywhere. So, um we have had a steady stream of even like you just gazing off into the middle distance right now is making me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> a steady stream of like monster roach. And the thing about these about those roaches, which those the big guys, is that they just don't give a fuck about you. Like, you know, you know, like Yeah, they don't. Like other bugs, it's like, oh, they're more They'll scared scurry of, away. Yeah, they're more scared of you than you are of them or whatever. These bugs do not give a fuck. Like they will be on you. Yeah. They will One was crawling on my hand. It, like, oh god. Oh God. <laughs> they, they they don't care if it's light you know if you turn on the light or the turn on the dark yeah. they don't care they'll just they're just chilling they don't give a fuck they will be on you they'll be near you they're they're not scared of you they just do not care yeah and that um is a ca- type of chaos that like really freaks me out and um and i think they're disgusting and i just have a i just have a mortal phobia is, is really the, the summary yeah like first of all i'd like to publicly thank you for, for your heroism um you've killed uh, all of them basically uh, most of them, of them. Mo- yeah um, and uh, all you asked of me mm-hmm. was a bug that you killed. Yes. If I would pick it up and put it in the trash. Yes. And, and what ensued? Just, just describe the scene a little bit. You know, it was probably five total minutes of just you with a, a, a bug that had been dead for hours. Like not even the post-mortem bug twitch. That, that had died away hours ago. This thing was dead it was okay dead. It was dead. and it was in a fully visible spot on the floor it wasn't having to crawl behind a couch or anything and you <laughs> were had a, a wad of a just environmentally irresponsible wad of paper towels <laughs> that then you wanted to 
use a plastic bag. You wouldn't let me do that, though. No, I mean at some point. Mm-hmm. You like have like how you enough pick up dog enough. poop, you know, with yeah. like a plastic bag. Because yeah. you were terrified of feeling the carcass. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she, for five <laughs> minutes, was like begging not to do mm-hmm. it, like getting up close, 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 closer, closer, and then backing away. Um, crying. Crying. So I pulled out my camera. So I do have a three and a half minute video. <laughs> Of this woman of this who can't fucking breathe. mental breakdown. I mean, if you were to, of if you were just to use the audio, you would think that she was like in a dungeon. Yeah. But I will say to your credit that you've gotten. Last night, I pointed out a bug that wasn't there. Um, as I, you know, part of part of the therapy that I've decided oh my you God. need. This is like such jackass therapy. <laughs> <laughs> exposure well, ther- you you try to will them. not agree to exposure therapy. No. So. And it's in lieu of exposure therapy, I've just taken to pointing um, at random places in the house and, and saying, like, what's me, that? And then watching, and then watching you, like, scurry away to the other side before checking. <laughs> but last night, you did move away, but but just at a leisurely and pace. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't yeah. feel like your heart rate was increased. No. Um, are you going to read us our Well, horoscope? so it's just the last little bump here. So we had a, we had our friend Jed. Hey, Jed. Hi. If you're listening. Uh, <laughs> in town this past weekend, which was great. And he uh, left us a little gift. And this is a book called Color, Color Astrology by Michelle Bernhardt. And essentially, or actually just in totality, it, uh, it gives you every day of the year. Uh-huh. And what... And so the idea is you look up your birthday and it will tell you what your color is. And um, I did not actually read mine because you told me to to wait. So so October twenty seventh. Mm-hmm. So uh, October twenty seventh, okay. you are molten lava. Ooh. And I'll let you see the color. Uh huh. Wowza! That was a beautifully timed clap of wow. thunder. Molten lava. So it's a nice Molten lava. red. You are dynamic, courageous, mm-hmm. and profound. Oh. If you, were bo- if you were born on this day, you were deep and probing, and your mind needs a way of channeling itself. A tremendous amount of energy runs through your system. By connecting your perceptions to, the, to a cause can help focus and direct your ambitions. Learning how to do things step by step is an important factor in regulating your power and speed. Uh-huh. This color benefits. How this color benefits you? Your personal color helps you navigate through the emotional aspects of life. Wearing, meditating on, or surrounding yourself with molten lava reminds you to stay calm and centered. Oh. Compatible birthdays. Okay. I don't know what that means. Me neither. March 7th, May 5th, August 11th. I don't know anybody with those birthdays. All right. Well, if you're listening (laughs) and you're born on those days, drop us a line. Oh, this is nice. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, step by step. um, Dynamic, courageous, profound. Uh, I think... um, that's that's a that's a good trio. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Like I don't. I don't feel like I'm that courageous, but um, but I'd like to be. So I like that. I like that. Um, can I read yours? Yeah, please do. Okay. December thirty first. Yes, December thirty first. Brittany blue, as in 
the region of France, Brittany blue. So this is what would you describe this as? Kind of like a slate. It's like blue? a it's like a brown green blue. Brown? It's a blue. It's a blue that has a lot of green and brown in it. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. I see that. Um, your characteristics are powerful, charismatic, and regal. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's I think that's right. If you were born on this day, your talent and power are quite exceptional but is not always easy to handle. A strong base is needed to support your energy and drive. Discipline, intention, and love must be present to achieve your goals with a feeling of peace and accomplishment. How this color benefits you. Your personal color resonates with gratitude and humility. Wearing, meditating on, or surrounding yourself with Brittany blue helps dissolve the lines of separation and loneliness that people sometimes feel. It reminds you to appreciate your gifts and helps you feel connected to the world. And um, those uh, birthdays that you should uh, drop a line for uh, Andrew are April 18, June 19, and July 31st. All right, lovely. Well, until next time. Until next time. We say to you, be well, be safe. And wait your turn for a vaccine. (laughs) Can't say it better than that. (laughs) That's how the English do it. They don't breathe for a long time, so they get that thing. For in that sleep of death, dreams may come when we've shuffled off this mortal coil. You know? What you're going for there, yeah. Yeah. Must give us pause. There's the respect that makes calamity of so long life. I get hot doing that. (laughs) For who would bear the whips and scorns of time? How do you say that? Say it again. Are you recording me? In my English accent. To be or not to be, that is the question. Whether tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against the sea of troubles and by opposing end them. To die, to sleep no more. And by sleep to say we end the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to. Tis a consummation devoutly to be wished to die, to sleep, to sleep, perchance, to dream. Ah, there's the rub. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's Audition City. Okay, now I've got two parts for you today, and here's the surprise. I've got one classical piece, and I've got one contemporary piece. Okay, good. For my classical piece, I will take off all my clothes. Now, why is this classical? Surely you jest. The body, the body is classical. It goes all the way back and all the way front. Har har. Okay, okay. Now, in the great tradition of auditions, you may stop me at any time. You can stop me one second after I start. But, but, and here's the stinger. Bear with me, okay? A simple task, and I'll be right back with you. 
There, nice kitty. Okay, okay. Stop me at any time, okay? Right? Just yell, thank you, Miss Titfer. Firm, courteous, and zapparoony, I will stop. I nip the strip. But when I stop my classical piece, I shift immediately into my contemporary piece, which is, okay, full attention now. Beating a kitty's head in with a hammer. Yipes! Holy mackerel! Is this broad kidding? Well, I wouldn't want to spoil it for you here, but I don't think she's kidding. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got it. It's it's been dead for two hours. No, 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 no! I can't do this. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't. Yeah, you got it. That's good. <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one, go. You got it. You got it. Once you start moving, don't stop until you get to the trash can. Okay? Ready? Go. You got it. Yeah. Oh my God. Look, you're doing it. Oh Nothing. Write, curate, and produce as VJ and Stevens, and you can subscribe to Don't Think Twice anywhere you listen to podcasts. Normally, we'd be working on a whole slate of live events in New York City and across North America, but pandemic. We're currently writing and living nomadically, pitching our scripted works for television. You can learn more about us at vjandstevens.com. That's V-I-J-A-Y and Stevens with a P-H. We're at VJ and Stevens on Instagram, and our assistant Susan is still learning how to tweet at memos from Susan.